Hello and welcome to Facilitating Extraordinary Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier. And today I'm delighted to have Gene Putnam, who's my friend, mentor, role model. Gene, what else is, I mean, what else? Like the best person. is my favorite thing that you just said. Yeah, for sure. We've known each other a long time. And, um, you know, Gene, you've had a, a professional and personal impact on me. So it's a pleasure to have you here. So what, for the listeners that don't know Eugene, why don't you give a quick introduction about your role at community and maybe a little background here? Oh, you bet. So thank you, first of all, for having me today, Travis. I just could be more pleased just to have a chance to sit down and talk with you again. It's always delightful. So Jean Putnam, um, I'm the Executive Vice President and Network Chief Nursing Officer at Community Health Network in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I am... Um, uh, basically over uh, oversee the professional practice of about 5,000 nurses. We have 16,000 employees in the network. And um, then, you know, people report up to nursing. There's many more than that, but just so honored to be in that position. Prior to this position, I was the vice president. Well, I was the chief clinical quality officer for community. And then prior to that, I was the vice president for quality and risk, which is how I first met you, Travis. Yeah. Prior to that, I um, uh, had been the director of performance improvement and medical staff and many other things at um, uh, a health system up in northern Indiana. And before that, I lived in Washington, D.C. I was getting my master's in health policy, and I minored in political science and nursing school. So I've always had a big focus on health policy, and I've got to I had a chance to work on Capitol Hill a little bit. So um, that's my background. Yeah, quite a background. And I remember some of those early days of you and I, Jean, and um, I think, you know, you introduced me to Lean and Six Sigma and um, definitely um, had a significant influence on me. You know, one of the, so we've been doing a lot of leadership development at Jordan Johnson um, over the last year, and we've developed leadership development programs for our clients. And one of the questions that we always ask leaders is what we call defining moments of leadership. And I love this question, and I love hearing leaders respond to this question. And it's really about reflecting on those moments for you that had an impact or those people in your life that have had an impact on you that you say, wow, because of this person or because of these kind of situations, I'm the leader I am today because of that. And how would you respond to it? What, what's been some of your defining moments of leadership, Gene? And I know there's probably been thousands, but if you were to think about a couple, what would they be? Yeah, you know, I, I was was trying to, to, when you were asking that question, think about all the amazing leaders I've had um, over the years, but I will tell you, I have learned just as much from leaders that I did not want to emulate um, as I have in leaders I did want to emulate. You know, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. you have people, right, who you think, okay, I don't want to be that that kind of a leader. Um, I don't want to be a micromanager. I want to care about my people. Um, I've always been a workforce and a workforce development um, leader. And and I've always tried to, um, as you know, personally, Travis, try to professionally develop people and promote people um, as much as I possibly can to, um, you know, to achieve their career goals. And so I had people who, you know, saw me, I mean, er, very early in my career, I can remember I was working at Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, D.C., and, and I was just fresh out of nursing school at Purdue, and I was, um, you know, a little newbie nurse, and they asked me to be the charge nurse, and I was like, I don't even know how to talk to people. Like, why would you want me to, <laughs> how could I control this unit, you know, and it was a very busy unit, med search unit, 
And so they saw something in me and I said, I need to know what you see in me that why you asked me to do this or to apply for this position. And it was just such a blessing. And so people saw things in me that I didn't see. And every time I'm asked to do something, I mean, even when I was um, asked to be the interim system chief nurse executive at community, I said to the person who asked me, why me? Like, why did you choose me? Because I need to understand that. So, you know, people have just seen things and which has been a blessing, but I will say there's been kind of three pivotal Pivotal, moment, pivotal moments in my in my career. One is in my mid twenties. Um, I was um, I, I was able to be a director of nursing of a 42 bed subacute unit in a hospital. It was the largest nursing unit in the hospital. I had a waiting list of people to get in because it was subacute, and so people stayed a little bit longer. Acuity was really high, and we had um, um, we had the opportunity to attend in person, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. It was a training workshop by that institute. And it was, uh, and I was a young leader and it was pivotal to me because I learned, I, I learned the, those seven habits I still talk about today. I still say those things. I mean, I know Travis, you and I have said those things to each right. other, right? I mean, but first things first, um, you know, sharpen the saw, take care of yourself. I mean, all these things that I continue to say today. And so that was a pivotal moment. The second pivotal moment was in the um, early 1990s. I'm going to date myself here, but in the early 1990s, I had the chance to, we were looking at total quality management, looking at the Toyota production system and all that. And in healthcare, you know, that was really kind of a newer thing. I mean, we were behind the times compared to the manufacturing industry and, and healthcare, but I was, um, um, I had the chance to attend a, um, uh, a training by Florida Power and Light, who was the, was the first company to win the Deming Prize in the United States, first American company. And so we all flew down to Florida and I, I went through multiple trainings of them. And then that progressed into Lean Six Sigma. So that training and that body of work that I was able to be a part of uh, has stayed with me. I say all the time, my, my Lean Six Sigma, um, you know, all that lean work and total quality management has been the biggest blessing to my career because I see things differently and I've been exposed to different parts of the business than just nursing. Yeah. And I think it's created a different leader in me. I mean, sometimes it's a curse, right? Because you know things and you see things that are waste and you think, oh my, you know, it makes you nuts. And then the third thing that was pivotal is uh, my relationship-based care training, which is done uh, by a company called Creative Healthcare Management. And it's, an, it's a model of care, um, uh, it's, but it's not just nursing. We, we started in nursing, but it's everywhere now at Community Health Network. And, it's, and it focuses on three, three relationships. First and foremost is self-care. How do you take care of yourself um, so that you can take care of others? And so that's the second relationship is care for colleagues. How do we care for each other as team members and as colleagues? And then the third is care of patients and families. And how do we create that deep, relationship with our patients and families that doesn't cause compassion fatigue, but is, is therapeutic. And so I just, it, that has been such a blessing in my life. And I think in our caregivers lives, um, of course, we call everybody at community caregivers, whether you take care of patients directly or not, we're all caregivers. So um, those have been the three things. And, um, you know, there's people way too, too many to mention, but Travis, I will tell you, I've learned as much from you as you say you've learned from me. So I appreciate your, um, your talent all the time. Well, Gene, well, those three insights, I jotted them down. I think they're brilliant. And I'm so grateful that people saw in you early in your career that helped give you an opportunity to become the leader you are. Because when you were talking that through, I'm like, 
Well, Jean Putnam did the same thing for me. She saw something in this, you know, young professional that said, you know what, you might like this. And then you never stopped pushing me and you never stopped challenging me and you never stopped giving me opportunities. And what's cool is Jean, I know you've done that for thousands of nurses, like and other people. Um, and that's just who you are. You've, you've been able to give that back. And then thinking about the seven habits, TQM, relationship-based care. I've got a couple questions that I think RBC, when we think about, you know, one of the latest kind of trends is this industry and quality 4.0. And it's just like, okay, what are we going to do? What skill sets do we need to do have when we've got all this technology, big data, artificial intelligence, the internet of things, how do we become more human? And I think RBC is almost an intervention there that if we can do this type of work, um, you know, that that's the future. So, and you know how I feel about TQM, we could do a whole nother podcast on that. So we, 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 you can keep me off of that track today. So we won't go there. Um, but that's good. I, I just think those questions around defining moments of leadership, it's just always insightful and really encouraging for people to hear. And, and you know, sometimes you do get the leaders talking about, you know, I've had some bad experiences with leaders and I've learned just as much from that because I see that and I don't want to be that leader. Um, so really good insights there, Gene. Thanks for, for sharing that. Um, so let's talk about, you know, you talked about how many nurses, 5,000 nurses right now that kind of you're leading. Um, that's huge. But if you were to look ahead, if you had kind of a crystal ball, what does nursing look like, nursing leadership look like coming out of the pandemic? And I know that you and your community nurses have been so active here in the Indianapolis community. What, what, what does the future look like, you think, Jean? You know, nursing leaders, first and foremost, have to be agile. Um, we have to be, um, and we have to be change managers, change agents. I mean, we just have to be because I still see this in, in folks and not just nursing leaders, but just I see this in folks and leaders that, you know, they sort of think, okay, you know, these young leaders will say, oh, I want to be a leader because then they think they're in control and they can make all the decisions. Well, that is the worst thing that we can do as leaders is to not, you know, go, go, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to geek out on the lean stuff here, but <laughs> going to the Gimba, right? Right. Shared governance is a really important piece of what we're trying to do because we need to we need to make sure that we are getting those people that are um, at the place of the work where the work is being done in the Gimba and getting their ideas. Because I mean, as a leader, I, I feel like I, my heart is totally 100% in it and trying to make good decisions. But every time I take something to our nursing Congress or our network Congress, which is now multidisciplinary, but every, they make it better. They make it faster. They make it um, more efficient. Um, than I did because I we can make like we make these rules that have like all these elements in it and they're like we don't need all that let's just go from A to B instead of A to F yeah. right yeah I just love that and so I think you know nursing leaders have to like it we we cannot be that controlling kind of a leader we have to be agile we have to be open to change we need to always have integrity which I mean and I hope all leaders do but we all know that sometimes that doesn't happen um, and first and foremost, we need to focus on our workforce, on our on our people, because they are our greatest assets. And I don't mean that to be trite; it's true. Nothing happens if we don't have people at the bedside taking care of patients. Nothing happens if we don't have people billing, you know, and coding and all those kinds of things too. So, um, people cleaning the rooms, people, 
But, you know, people come to hospitals for 24-7 nursing care, right? I mean, that's why they come to hospitals. Otherwise, you're, you know, in your physician clinics or your urgent care and those kinds of things, which we need every single one of those caregivers doing what they do as well. So I think the the new nursing um, leader has to be transformational. They've got to be savvy and willing to learn in the digital world. Um, They've got to, um, you know, they've got to focus on what that experience looks like. Um, And, and honestly, the, the big thing right now is health equity, health access. How do we, I mean, how does nursing and all of healthcare, excuse me, how do we get better at that? Um, and and create that equity and then um, and I think we have to have more of a focus on diversity I we're doing a lot of work on diversity um, at community and um, I'm leading the nursing piece of that and I'm so proud of the progress we're making but it is not near fast enough nor good enough and um, it, it just isn't you know but we have to we just have to keep moving forward and keep the conversation yeah you know Jean when you mentioned diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, Baldridge released new criteria this year. And a big part of that criteria, the revision and the criteria talks about equity and inclusion. And to see that the criteria, it's just, it's so encouraging that we're actually going to have some discipline, some criteria that just ask really good questions around, okay, how are organizations accommodating this? And, you know, the, the, Criteria is not prescriptive. It's just asking some of those questions. So I'm not surprised at all, Gene, that you're leading the way with that and communities leading the way with that. Um, and then you mentioned agile when you think about nursing leader. That's another, you know, very important Baldridge term. Um, and then you mentioned change agent and transformational leaders will be, you know, required to lead nursing. And I, I think that is just all based in, you know, your your connection to performance improvement, going to the Gemba and empowering those people closest to the work because they know it, right? They know it every day and get out of the way. Get out of, yeah, right. And it, it's hard though, as a leader sometimes because you've been, you've worked yourself up the ladder because you've been a good problem solver. And at some point you do need to step back and get out of the way as a leader to just let the team members be empowered to make those decisions they know where the friction points are. They know where the waste is. They know where the variation is. You just kind of give them the guardrails, right, as leaders and just get out of the way. I, I love that response. And just empower, right? I mean, you know, we, we, that word is probably overused, but, but if you really think about true empowerment and what that means to people, I mean, are they free to speak up? And if they do speak up, you know, without fear of retaliation, and do we utilize their ideas instead of just listening? But do we try new things based on their feedback? And, and, and then do we trust them? Do we trust them when we say we're going to go do this without, you know, looking, uh, peeking around the corner all the time, right? I mean, this is how we've all learned as leaders. If somebody's empowered us to do something, to take that, you know, give that additional discretionary effort or whatever it was that got us to the, to the place we're at. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing I learned from you too is empowerment and ultimately it comes back to respect for people, right? And I think that that's such a big piece of any kind of performance excellence work, performance improvement work is that it's disrespectful to ask people to do things that don't add value. And in some ways, our processes are unintentionally designed that way. They're never intentionally designed like that. Um, And then on the other side of that, it's disrespectful to provide non-value added activities to our patients and our customers. And I think that empowerment, respect for people, um, 
you know, that's all right up the alley of performance excellence and performance improvement, which brings me to my next question. <laughs> so you have always been such a strong advocate for performance improvement, performance excellence. Where does that, where did that passion come from for you? I mean, you could tell in this, in this podcast already, like you, we, we didn't even make it 10 minutes before you said Gemba. Like, <laughs> so where, do, where does that, where does that come from? And you said something earlier, like once you, once you kind of have that mindset, you can't turn it off, right? You just can't look the other way. So maybe give us some insights around where that passion comes from for you. You know, it, it, it's the greatest gift. I mean, honestly, I, I look at some of this training I've had and I think it's, it's the greatest gift I was given and not just for work-related things, but for home life, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting right now in my home office, which is really my hobby room. <laughs> and, <laughs> And so I look at, I look around at my stuff and I see all this organization, right? And I'm like, wow, I think I five S to my office. My home office is all five. I mean, like, I, it's like a verb, right? You five S something instead of, you know, what, what five S, you know, it's kind of a, a, a thing you do. And I'm like, it, it's a noun. Well, I make it a verb. I do. I make a lot of lean terms of verb. Um, but I, I, the passion really came, I think, when I started seeing the power, the power of change and improvement and a pure joy back in people's jobs when they were a part of, going back to respect for people, when they were part of the decision-making, part of the improvement, they were the ones who were holding themselves responsible for results. It wasn't the leaders. I mean, when you've got people making, you know, up on a bulletin board in their, in their um, or on a computer dashboard or whatever that looks like in their department, showing their results every day, uh, a staff nurse or an EVS worker or a dietitian or a dietary worker, making a, a dot on a, on a line chart, you know, and adding that and be able to explain, this is what we did. And, oh, you see this improvement here? That's because we did this. I'm like, that brings so much joy to my heart because it brings joy to their lives, to their work lives. And so that's where this passion comes from and just seeing people develop and grow and then seeing our patients and our families be the benefit of this work from the right people doing the improvement activities. It just, it's like a drug. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like a drug for me. And I, I, I just, every time it happens, I just get chills. And I think this is what it's about. Yeah. There's nothing more powerful. I love the way you describe it because it almost feels like that, right? It's so invigorating when you see team members. Um, and it's almost, you know, when I facilitate some sessions, it's almost like, is he being serious? Are we really empowered to make these changes? Yeah. And it's just like, once they, once they know that, it's like the switch is flipped and they, they get, they're empowered and it's the ultimate form of respect. Um, so I like the way you summarize that. And I know our listeners won't be able to see this, but I, I will call it out that you have five S the ribbon even behind you. So just t- take my word for it. If you're listening to this jeans guy, she's got this ribbon five S, which means there's a place for every ribbon and every ribbon has a place. So she lives and breathes this. Pulls <laughs> a ribbon behind me on the wall. That's hysterical. So, um, all right. So let's go, let's keep with that process improvement. You know, if, if there's a nurse out here listening to this, and it's like, wow, I like what Jean's talking about. That feels exciting. Um, you know, nurses are the best problem solvers, and you know, they're they're gonna whatever's presented in front of them, they're gonna make it work, right? So if there's a new nurse out here that maybe hasn't been exposed or introduced to performance improvement, what advice would you give 
give them to, you know, where would they get started? Oh my gosh, Travis, that is such a great question. Um, so question everything, question everything. And I don't mean in a negative way, but just think about everything that you are doing. I mean, we are so task oriented in healthcare right now. It's literally, we become check the box people. And especially with the, um, you know, our EMRs, which are fabulous, but there's a lot of check the box stuff in EMRs these days. And, and sometimes I think we can forget about the critical thinking skills that we as nurses bring to the table um, and any health caregiver um, or any, any caregiver in, in our world, um, you know, to critically think through things and say, is this the best way to do it? And I love this because so many of our nurses do this. And I am the beneficiary of those questions a lot of times. They're like, why do we do this? Or can we do this in five steps instead of 25? Yeah. Um, you know, question those things, look for waste. Look for things that um, don't add value to the patient or to you, quite honestly, as a caregiver. I mean, like, why are you doing this? And, um, and ask questions. And then the second thing is get engaged. Be a part of the conversation. Be a part of, um, of the transformation. because that, And that means sometimes you might get told no. Sometimes you might have a leader that doesn't see what you see. Sometimes you might feel like you are... Um, you know, that elephant tied to the pole, right? And you're just, you know, tied forever. Change your circumstances before your circumstances change you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, truly, if you're not getting, if you're not in a place where you are feeling empowered, if you're not in a place where you are being listened to or um, a part of that conversation and you have this drive and passion in you, feed that passion, feed that passion and change your circumstances. Because eventually, you know, you'll stop trying to. And that is, to me, is the biggest um, uh, disgrace for uh, respect for people that one of the biggest disgraces that we can have. So, um, you know, my advice is, you know, ask questions, think critically, look for waste, value adds, all those things that we do in, in performance, excellence, and process improvement. Yeah, I, I love the way you said, change your circumstances before they change you. I, I just wrote that down. That's a great quote. And if, if you're a new nurse or if there's a new nurse out there listening, um, just ask those questions. If something doesn't feel right, if it feels inefficient, if it feels wasteful, it probably is. You, you know, one of the things that you hear a lot when you do this type of work is when you ask, well, you know, why is the process designed this way? One of the first responses is we've always done it that way. And to me, that's always an invite to say, okay, is there a better way or is there a more efficient or effective way to do that? And a lot of that just starts with asking the question, like you said, and, you know, talking about even the basic types of waste, transportation, inventory, motion, waiting, over-processing, over-production and defects. If you give people that terminology, they'll say, oh, I've been going to supply closet to supply closet from unit to unit, I had no idea that that was transportation waste because you know what, that I spend X amount of my day doing that. Right. If you give them that, that term analogy and they can see it, um, that's a great place to start. And it doesn't take much effort, does it? No. And it's so powerful. And again, yeah. bringing joy back into what we do, which is, you know, we don't want to be doing all this other stuff. We want to be in front of patients. That's why I talk about charting. Like our nurses on average spend about three to three and a half hours of charting documentation in the EMR in a 12 hour shift. Wow. So think about that, Travis, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, 
And and so, you know, you see, I mean, some of the complaints that, you know, we used to get in healthcare, and I hope we have less today, but, you know, you walk up to a nurse's station, the nurse is looking at the computer and they don't even look at you or the unit secretary or whoever. I mean, how many times have you gone to, you know, a hotel or something and they, well, hotels actually do this better probably than anybody, but, you know, places where you go, their customer service and you stand there at the counter and there's a person literally sitting in front of you and they don't even make eye contact with you, right? Right. And you think, that, that, I mean, that doesn't feel good to anybody. And they're sitting there and probably doing important work on the computer, but to the customer, it sure doesn't feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. People off of this documentation, we need to just keep digitally transforming. And I, and we are doing that. I mean, we have done so much for our nurses, especially with their smartphones. I mean, yeah. this is their computer now, you know, the, this computer on wheels world will, you know, will change. And we are putting computers in the rooms for patients and, um, you know, just putting access to their information as soon as they, as soon as it's available, even sometimes before the doctors and nurses see it, they get it. Yeah. And, and some people don't like that, but I love it. Yeah. Let's empower yeah. our patients. Yeah. Not surprised you're leading the way with that gene at all. So, you know, I mentioned earlier about industry 4.0, quality 4.0, and there's, you know, articles almost po- published daily about how is big data you know, cloud-based computing, um, the internet of things, everything's a, you know, a connected device. And that's going to change the way we work in a lot of ways. Right. And I think it's going to have an impact on nursing. Even you, you even mentioned earlier, your smartphone and that this stuff is happening every day. It's not going to slow down. It's only going to get faster. Um, so what, what do you think nurses need to be successful in this new quality 4.0 world? Um, change management, yeah. I mean, change, right? I mean, it's, you, you've got to think, how can this make my life better? I mean, one of the things that we're um, implementing now is voice to text for nurses. You know, doctors have had that for, for um, a couple of years, um, you know, pilot it with a small group and that's, you know, expanding. But, you know, if I'm a nurse at a bedside and, you know, we have those Sarah badges, which are, you know, like little badges that you can connect with people right away. We now have secure chat, which is, you know, texting between um, caregivers, which is all great. But, you know, if I'm a nurse doing a like wound care, like an intense wound care, and I need, all of a sudden I need another pair of hands, I can't touch my Vocera badge, right? But can I say, hey, Siri, (laughs) hey, Epic, hey, Epic, can, you know, I need Gene Putnam in this room, or I need Travis Lozier in this room. Can you page, you know, can you page Travis and ask him to come to room X? That's the kind of stuff that we've got to get to. And then, and then stuff like, you know, and this is here. I mean, the technology is here today. It's just getting it implemented and getting people to adopt it but um, and adapt to it. But, you know, I mean, there's no reason we can't say, you know, look up the, tell me, Siri, tell me what the last blood pressure is, you know, in the middle of a code for a patient. Tell me what the last, you know, because otherwise we got people on the computer looking stuff up and clicking 10 times to get somewhere. I mean, we've got to be able to like go, go, go. And I, I think that's the, the, the thing that we have to embrace in healthcare. We are behind a lot of industries um, in some of the digital transformation. And I'm, I'm thrilled to say, I think Community Health Network is a leader in this field. I mean, we've been you know, named um, one of the most connected um, you know, networks in the nation. And, but yet we all see how much more we have to do and to support our caregivers too. But it is challenging for people. I mean, it is definitely challenging. Some people love it. Some people don't. I mean, now we're talking about cybersecurity. The, the other side of this equation is we're talking about cybersecurity. Well, you know what? If you have a cybersecurity attack, there you will have none of this stuff in your hands. 
So there's people who have never experienced anything but an EMR in nursing, right? They're young nurses. They may never document it on paper. So now you're having to teach them to go back and in downtime procedures, document on paper. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, you know, it's so true. Even in our personal lives. Now you see that playing out. If if you have an outage at at home or your cell phone's disconnected, you feel a little lost and you think about, well, that's going to play out, you know, exponentially in the workforce. The more we get connected, the more we rely on technology, the more we rely on these um, advances that are coming through in industry 4.0. And I love the way you, you didn't hesitate. You said change management for, right? Like I don't even finish the question. I think that's absolutely right because it reminded me of that equation that we, you know, used to teach in change acceleration, right? The quality of any solution times A3, the acceptance, alignment, adoption, that's all the human side of change equals the effectiveness of the result. So the technology, like you said, it's been there. It's how quickly can we embrace it, align it, adopt it, accept it. So really insight, good insights, Gene, um, there. I know I promised you I would keep this to 20 minutes, so I'm going to honor that the best I can. But Gene, this has been awesome. I could, you know, I could talk to you all day and I, and I probably would, I probably would. So, um, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. You're always my friend. Um, you've always had my back and, um, I know Jan, all of us, Gene, just admire you and thanks for your time today on facilitating extraordinary podcast. Oh, it's been my extreme pleasure, Travis. I miss you. Um, immeasurably as a friend and colleague. And um, I'm just honored that you asked me. So thank you for getting me all excited and passionate about all this with you again. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like the old days, Gene, that's for sure. All right. right. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.